Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment podcast with me, Stephen Rosen. This is a place where we have deep conversations and find out what really makes people tick. I've been through a very deep journey in my own life from being a a nine-year-old in the early 70s selling stolen shoes down at Brick Lane to uh, a 22-year-old standing in a hotel room surrounded by drugs and bags of money uh, with uh, war in Lebanese militia. I have seen some interesting times in life and I changed all of that round and became a very successful businessman in the city of London and found that there was something missing. So this podcast is about going deeper underneath the surface of what we might think that we need in life. There's a rich uh, quality of life that we all can tap into and sometimes we have to just dig a bit deeper. So my story was lost in the Babylon. It's actually on Amazon now. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, please uh, share it with your friends. Please subscribe or just follow. And you can connect with me at Cockney Profit on social media. Let us know what you think of it and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment podcast with me, Stephen Rosen. And my guest today is Chris Anderson, and Chris is a is a young man that I met locally in uh, in in it was the the, the market the eco I think market it was the, wasn't it the market yeah a little while back yeah yeah it was the eco market uh, around Short Street outside the yoga factory yeah and you was running a stall yeah I was yeah selling my health natural health products. <laughs> Yeah, you were selling your health products and... and it's uh, the sea moss that I used to do. Yeah, the the um, Irish moss it's known as, but I I used to get it from a place in St. Lucia, um, imported over. So it's a yeah, powerful, powerful natural supplement, that is. Yeah, it was really good. I, I quite enjoyed that. I yeah. Mean, I never really felt the benefits yeah but i think it was a long-term thing that you yeah to... I, I wish you say people you don't feel the benefits of like um vitamins when you take them it's it's over time normally i think you see the results like you see your your hair growing faster your skin looking better yeah you know your nails growing quicker and things like that which is the the normal results that we'd get off of it um but yeah it helps a lot of people during that time as well during uh it was the old 2020 COVID time as well, wasn't it? So a lot of uh, people wanting those natural health supplements to get, you know, to get well and get that wellness and vitality in them, you know? So, yeah, I think yeah. I think it was it was a good product. And as I told you, I was talking to someone today, actually, who, who still buys that product. Yeah. Not, obviously not from you, because uh, you don't do it anymore. But the other thing mm. about that meeting and that first time I see you, I think you were selling cacao as well. And, you, and you'd made some cacao up. Yeah. And I had a tiny little drop. And as soon as I had that drop of cacao, it was like, bing. It was like my consciousness was really raised. Yeah. And and I'd sometimes get that without, you know, obviously I, I sometimes get that just going into environments and sometimes being around, you know, energized people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I really noticed it on, the, on, that, on that kind of first little shot of cacao yeah. that, I, that I took. It's, it's a, again, cacao is... A beautiful medicine, but also a beautiful supplement as well. Like it's a really good medicine for opening your heart um, and just raising your your consciousness and your frequency. You know, it's this is why you felt that all of a sudden, wow, straight away. It kind of opens you up massively, right? It really does. And you know, aside from all these other health benefits that it really has, because it's the most nutrient dense 
superfood on the planet cacao um but spiritually it just kind of raises that that frequency in your body and kind of you know lifts you up as well so yeah i don't know like that things like you know breath work you can get to that kind of same state of almost like happy floatiness yeah I've, I've experienced it in breath work yeah, uh, yeah yeah a lot a lot of stuff in breath work i mean i won't talk so much about breath work because yeah i've got a breath work <laughs> podcast with somebody uh, yeah yeah that hopefully would would be okay i've got a few technical issues with it but but uh yeah just i mean just some background on, yeah. on yourself chris I, we just started chatting i just just yeah, said sure. to you like you know i was interested in in how you got to be running that small business because yeah you, you was in the city wasn't you to start yeah with? so i was in um i worked in the city for about 10 years in finance so um it was not the stock market it was more the money markets the currency markets um i did work for a company that when i started out and in in the city um it was like trading derivatives and different kind of stocks and things like that and i moved more into the money market side and when you went into the city because mm. obviously a lot of people were attracted into that and you said you sure. really knew what you wanted to do so yeah. your motivation for going there was what just to for uh, earn good money and was, have a good life it was money to, to earn good money and retire early you know how old was you when you went in, in the city 20 20 yeah 20, okay, yeah, so 19 20 Good age, like a lot of vibrancy there. Yeah, yeah. energy. Yeah, a lot of energy. <laughs> I could do the commute, even though I remember, still remember like my first kind of couple of weeks, I was like, oh, this is a bit of a slog, you know, commuting every day, um, you know, hour, hour and a half, what about an hour and a half to work? Um, but, you know, you, you kind of, you're lost in the energy of the city, it's all new. Yeah, you know, I think if the, you've got a purpose, if you're really, yeah. really engaged in something, when I, I, I kind of, you know, had a business in the city myself, yeah. so I lived up there. Uh, yeah, but when I moved away from it, I'd kind of done that journey. Yeah, every day, and uh, but I was I was kind of more trying to get to. You said that you've always been blessed with knowing. Yeah, and I think that's circling what back you to want. that. Yeah, I think circling back to that. I think like I've always like it was a clear path. Like when I went into before I went into this, it's like okay, I want to work in you know high level sales, earn lots of money. You know, like a lot of people do, move into the city and. Um, I did what I did before I got to the city so I could get a, you know, a good starting block, if that makes sense, in a good company with, you know, good experience myself, which a lot of people that were kind of grads I was keep competing against didn't have, you know, um, which is the thing is, is work experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. you might have a, a degree in economics, but really if you can't work in an office and you can't meet deadlines and you can't, you know, do the work and do the meetings and all these things you know, the legwork required, then you're not going to get very far. You know, a degree's only going to take you so far. Um, I used to, uh, when I first started no, go cutting, on. When, I, when I first started kind of window cleaning with my brother, we yeah. used to work in the city and he had some contracts in the city and uh, I think it was BZW and uh -huh. we used to go in early morning and the, the, the markets were open, the money markets were open. Yeah. And, and you'd think that these traders, you'd think that they was down Ridley Road Market Listening to them, you know, it was like effing this and yeah. seeing that, and it was honestly, like, it was a really interesting, uh, but vibrant and you know, like the Wolf of Wall Street it, sort of type vibrancy like that. on the on those trading floors. Yeah, you know? pretty much was, like that. I think like at the time the Wolf of Wall Street wasn't out when I started, but I remember when. I mean, how long has that film been out now? I don't know, but I remember when that came about, and it's kind of like you know you. you 
the industry. It's, I don't know. It's a bit weird. It's a bit like um, you just go to like the, the you leave work one day and you see like queues of people in suits, young lads like going to watch this film kind of thing. Cause it's like they're idolizing it kind of thing. And yeah. I guess yeah. part of that was me, but wasn't really Wolf of Wall Street. It was more. Um, what was the other one with uh, Wall Street? Money never sleeps. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the first yeah. one, the Wall yeah. Street. So that yeah. was kind of my. It was Wall Street, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. That was the kind of films that got me into what I wanted to do. Oh, you right, know? okay. So you was motivated by the movies? Yeah, like kind of, but also it was, it was movies, but also money and the lifestyle, the lifestyle, yeah. and what what came with it, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's a powerful uh, incentive, isn't it? It when, is. When, as, especially as a young person, it is it to is. go into stuff. I mean, uh, you know, my yeah. my own kind of ambitions were different. You know, there was there was I was influenced by you know the illusion of different stuff as well yeah. but same sort of thing yeah. you know it's like it looked good it looked like you know that's that's what i wanted to do easy money and uh the glamour of it all and all of that kind yeah. of stuff so i relate to that although yeah. we, we was on different paths yeah definitely yeah. i think as well like what what also got me sex my passion was music like i think i just briefly messaged, let, let, let you know then that i studied music technology in college so i actually wanted to do music producing production working music some way creating or you know whatever that may look like and i think what actually put me off of that um was a guy who came to actually do a lecture with us and he was quite a big name in kind of like the sound technician and a music technology side and he'd been on tours like rihanna and all these big names you know but the energy he came in with when he just gave a talk to us was like, oh yeah, no, you know, I'm 60 and it's taken me this long to earn 100 grand a year. You know, you ain't going to do it. You know, you're not going to be really earning more than 20. And it just kind of like really deflated me. And I was just like, fuck, well, what's the fucking point then? That kind of thing. And, and that was, you know, looking back on that now, it was the wrong attitude to have. But, you know, you're 17, you don't, yeah, yeah. not know any better, but, you know, you, you get influenced a lot easier than you do when you grow up and mature a little bit. So at the same time, like I weren't doing it for the money, but I also was like, well, I don't want to be like a skint musician or, you know, working in the music industry, always skint. And, you know, like that's the whole, you know, it's not what I want to go to work for to do, you know, kind of things. So I thought, well, I'm going to make sure I'm not that, yeah. you know, and I was yeah. always good at sales, always good at selling. And, um, you know, you've got to have, you know, a, a certain characteristics around yourself that fortunately I had with the confidence and like I say, just knowing who you are as a person and be able to talk um, articulately in front of, you know, boardrooms and things like that. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, Although so a, lot, went, a lot of that stuff, I think a lot of those skills that people have, they're not necessarily mm. about knowing. I mean, I'm not saying in your oh. case, but a lot of them are just, just developed skills, aren't yeah. they? That, yeah. that people use to just go out there and, yeah. And, and perform in life and, and, yeah. and just blag it like, like we all do you you're know right I mean? yeah. you, you can't learn it and actually it's funny because I, I remember there was a time in my in my career where I had like a team of brokers probably around 20 like underneath me like junior brokers that I would train and help and help you know at the start of their I guess their career in the journey getting into this industry into that industry sorry and um I say it's not something you can teach it's you yeah, can't teach yeah. someone to you know be confident enough to walk into a boardroom, board of directors, and be able to talk and sell the product that we're selling. You know why? Why would we manage your money, kind of thing? And it's yeah, you know, sure. especially as a young person as well, going into a boardroom, which is you know people that sit on the board are normally people you know their forties plus. You know, like listen to me, you know, like kind of thing. It's quite hard. Yeah. 
hard work, but you know, like I say, it did well and. So you, you 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 obviously done done okay there. Yeah, and, done done really And what well, what know? kind of changed for you? You know, well, I mean, because you I think when I see you standing on that soul, you, you know, you wasn't. Uh, yeah. Didn't look like you was earning the sort of money that you would have earned no. down the city. That's for sure. It, do you know what changed for me? It was actually working for a company. It was actually a um, a startup. Uh, I won't mention the name, but they they're still going now. They've done really well, and I was there at ground zero. And fortunately, it was run by two guys who were, you know multi-millionaires you know they sold their last um company to a mexican bank um for like 150 160 million so you know done really well and fortunately where we're in like, it's kind of the startup fintech stage um listen, i was going through a weird transition in my life a really weird time just kind of um experienced my first heartbreak and like real you know one that got me and just going through a big change and shifts in myself energetically and spiritually, I guess. And it was the owner of the company. It was like, oh, you know, you should do like performance coaching, you know, because I always, what oh, one thing I always have had as well was always wanting to do better. I always know that I can always better myself, better my work and better the job I'm doing or better myself. So I was always, I've always been looking at, you know, bettering my skills and developments. Mm. And it was like, okay, if I can, because like I say, it was a very stressful job, you know, sales and, it it takes its toll, you know. Um, it's good when it's good, but when it's you know when it's when you're not making money, it's it's horrible. It really was, and it was kind of dealing with those peaks and troughs, those really high highs and but really low lows at the yeah. same time. And the performance coach I went to it wasn't like a you know my performance was bad. It was more about um, just your personal life. So it was learning about something called the three principles by um, it's a guy called Sidney Banks actually who's wrote a book called The Three Principles but it was going into the practice and study of that and I'll be honest that was something that really changed my life from the first session uh, I remember the first session I can't remember how old I was but I was probably like I don't know about 23 something like that and luckily actually the guy was around the, in, in, in Leon C his name's Stephen Desborough and um, and I will credit him because he phenomenal you know work that he does for people yeah. and he specializes in traders in the city because he used to do it himself you know so he would the reason he would do this performance coach is help people deal with the stress and the you know well, so it helps if you've got that lived experience as well doesn't it exactly sure. so you know he's helping people deal with like extreme pressure extreme stress under those environments on the trading floors that we would deal with and i remember the first session i can't remember the details of the session obviously because it's like you know nearly 10 years ago itself but um i sat there and I just cried just listening to the birds for the first time when he had his got a little cabin at the end of his garden he had it open because it was quite a nice evening just listen to the birds in the evening it was the first i remember i think i actually said well i can just all i can hear is the birds and i was just crying you know and he just laughed at me he's like chris i've had bigger and scarier guys on this couch than you that have been in tears so don't worry you know kind of thing and it was just a moment for me that just that was kind of the start of rediscovering me and myself and my own happiness. You know, thinking, all right, I've done what I think society wants me to do to make me be happy, which is money, which is, you know, having the, the car, the mortgage, the, the this, mm. the that. You know, all this stuff that we accumulate that we think yeah. makes us happy. But really inside it's kind of like, okay, but there's something still missing. So had you, had you heard the birds before? 
Of, I mean, this sounds like a mad question, but you, yeah. you said you was listening to the birds and, and it kind of... Yes, but not in this way. It was kind of like... I didn't have time for that. This is what I was, I was, yeah. I was going to sort of get to. Cause but it was also at the same time, it was more that what went on in the session, it kind of like just took that, almost felt like rose-tinted lenses off. And it was like, yeah. oh, I'm seeing them yeah. again, but for the first time, they've always been there. And the teachings are beautiful that he teaches, you know, and what he talks about. And it just, it just, it just completely changed my world and perspective and everything. And from that moment on, that got me to... That that was the reason, but it definitely started my journey to get to where I am now. So it sounds like that that was certainly opened up a connection for you. That, yeah, that you, massively. You wasn't aware of, or or maybe. Yeah, and it was. I've always been a little bit different, you know. Even yeah. in, in college, when I was on the music technology course that I was studying at the time, you know, people would be looking at the Sun newspaper and looking at sport and arguing over who's bought who and all this and. Don't get me wrong, I, I was more practical. Like, I love football, playing it, watching it. Even to this day, blows my mind. I'm like, I don't know why people get so caught up in it, you know, and so aggressive around it's it. It's a good distraction. It is a good distraction. It, but know, it's, I, it, it's, it's enjoyable. It, and, uh, it is. And I get the physical. Yeah. Like I say, I always liked playing it rather than just watching other people play it. Mm. So that, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'd rather go play it than watch other people play it, you know, kind of thing. And I get, you know, big games, but... What I didn't get was, you know, kids at college arguing over Man United buying this player who's more expensive than this player and, you know, you're not going to do as well as we're going to do because we bought, you know, all that drama yeah, that yeah. goes around these things. And there's me sitting there reading the horoscope sketch section of a newspaper, you know, because yeah. I'm interested in, wow, you know, like, why the moon and the sun and all this that affects me? You know, what what is this? It, it tells you about yourself deeper and really mm. what that was, was a longing to understand yourself on a deeper level. I think I think we've all got that and uh, and, and just finding that moment of access to that. I mean, the, what you described there, I, I kind of had a, a very similar type of experience, but it was it was maybe a little bit of an awakening. It was a, certainly an awakening of of coming out of of my head and uh, and it was one night I'd kind of you know changed my life like you had and. And was in the early stages of, of living a new life, which I was very ill-equipped for, because mm. I'd equipped myself for a completely different way of li living, you know, in a criminal world, in, mm. in the world of, of drugs and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I coped very well in that world. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. then I came out of that world and, and I was taking my dog out one night and, and just kind of noticed the stars and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like, wow, and the clouds moving. And really noticed them and, and just thought, wow, where did these come from? You know, yeah. so I'd, I'd probably seen them a million times, but getting to that point of of actually seeing them, being conscious of of, of this stuff is mm. is a different level, isn't seeing it? Seeing the beauty in it all, you and know, and it's yeah. an access level, isn't it? It's a, it it's a moment is. of opportunity, I think, of of awakening, and it, it certainly sounds. Sorry to in, in, no. interrupt your story, but. It certainly sounds it, like it awakened something in you, and massively and, yeah. did. That was, and I think, like I say, I think you put it really nice there. Where you say we've all got it, we do get it, we have it in us, and and I think like I always had it there, but was conscious of it, but not. I think what it was was more being scared to tap into it because it wasn't the normal. You yeah, know, like I was always yeah. interested in clairvoyance, and my grandmother, my family are, but my grandmother particularly was very spiritual and very, you know, into the the supernatural and things like that 
um, so I always had that interest, but never really like, you know, tapped into it. Um, and I think, like I say, what was the, the tipping moment for me was going to see that performance coach because it, like I say, it was more to do with spirituality than anything else and your own kind of, it's almost a bit like, you know, spirituality meets Joe Dispenza. So there was a bit of like science on rewiring your brain and yeah, how we think, yeah. but also there's a lot of spirituality involved, which they both go hand in hand as it is anyway. But this was the moment for me where I was like, wow, it clicked. And it was like, okay, like with me, when something, you know, when I want to do something, I'm like a dog with a bone. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put my all into this now. So I put my all into it, you know, and it got me to a point where I was doing really well in, in work and finding things easy, just finding not life easy, but like, you know, just things were a lot easier. And then that opened me up to really what was kind of, what I was wanting deeper on a level, yeah. you know, and it's... It, it what got, was the mechanisms of making that easier? Was it just that knowledge that... It was just the knowledge that I got from these three principles and really right, realising okay. that no matter how bad my day is and how stressful and how much pressure I receive, that I can change that just with my thought process, with, with my meditation, your with my your perception, thought, yeah. exactly. But it got me to a point where the these teachings only got me so far, so I kind of went beyond them, if that makes sense. Not from like an ego point of view, but there was yeah. only so much I could learn. Sure, And yeah. I, I, I filled up with that learning, and then what I discovered was shamanism. And, yeah, that that changed everything for me completely. I remember, Chris, when, when you, went, you went off to Costa Rica, did you? Mm -hmm. And have you been to Peru as well? Yeah, so I was in Costa Rica for sort of... Uh, three months and then I was yeah lived in America for uh, six or seven months and then um, like travel around there and then went to um, Peru yeah to finish it was actually the reason I went there was to finish off some study and, and trainings that I'd been doing over the, the quite a few years um, for this work that I do now yeah um, yeah and that but that actually started in the UK that started here um, with a teacher here um and again, like it, I was very close to actually, so like circling back when I was still in the city, like obviously, what, you know, I guess we're going to touch on a little bit today is the, the medicine that I work with, which is for ayahuasca. For sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, so I kind of was looking for this in um, you know, a really serious way because I knew that I just needed to deepen myself and I thought this is the only thing that's going to really unlock things in me. Like I felt like there was so much knowledge and wisdom there. And I'm like, okay, but how do I access it? How do I get rid of also my own stuff? You know, that I'm carrying all these traumas and emotions that I need to figure out how to work through and tap into this at the same time. And, and that medicine was the answer. And I was very close to going to, spending the thousands and thousands of pounds of going to, um, it was actually a retreat center in Costa Rica. And I'm very glad I didn't because I managed to find... Um, someone here in the UK yeah. that I then learnt we've trained with and then again you know like I say went beyond those teachings and that's why I finished up these initiations and trainings in Peru to do what I do now but yeah with that was um, yeah a, a massive shift in just me and then I think I then realized I don't want to be in the city anymore and it was kind of there was about probably I'd say about nine months of kind of figuring out what the hell that looked like just transition yeah yeah and i think like i was kind of like i just know i don't want to be in the city anymore no i don't want to deal with targets with pressure with 
all of this stuff. I didn't want to deal it's with any of that. It's a massive change of uh, direction, oh, isn't it? Huge change. And to the point where I was like sitting there one day, I was even in my, I remember I was in the barber's chair in Lee, sitting there thinking, do you know what? I could be a barber. For it, it seems easy. You know, not like, you know, I don't want to disrespect people like, you know, with own their own businesses and stuff like that. It's hard. It comes with challenges. But I thought from where I was in the stressful environment that I was, you know, like you say, you've been on trading floor in like, Wolf of Wall Street style where it's a weapon and blind and this, that. Yeah, it's all yeah. so many egos and so many things, you know, circling around that place. I just didn't want to be in anymore. I thought, you know, I could I could cut air for 30 grand a year for the rest of my life. That's what I was thinking in my head. I thought, you know, I'd be content with that. You know, really content because I'd be happy. I wouldn't be knackered. I be, wouldn't be stressed. I'd be happy kind of thing. And I went through these things like, okay, you know, what is that what's going to make me happy, you know? And then I got made redundant right before Christmas, right before covid from Visa, and um, as a few of us did, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me, mm. you know, because um, I thought, great, you know, I've got some nice, you know, nice little payout. Yeah, I'll take Christmas off, and then I'll see what I want to do, kind of thing. And I remember I got to the new year, and I was, um, this was twenty twenty, right at the start, and I was thinking, like, you know, maybe I go back into the city after, you know. Um, but, you know, do a job for a year, save a load of money, and then, you know, do what I really want to do, which is open my own business, which was, you know, natural health pro- products and supplements. Um, but I was going for one job, and it was about 150k a year job, and I was like, okay, you know, if I, if I get this, then you know, that's the basic, I think it was like 150 start, and it was like really good money anyway, loads of benefits, could have earned a fortune, and I thought, if I get that, then I'll do it for a year, and then I'll just leave. Um, I got through to like the last stage of like seven interviews and didn't get the job anyway and had other offers from other companies that were like, you know, six figure salaries, but I just was like, no, it's just going back into the same old thing. And I thought, mm. no, I'm just going to just do it now. You know, why not just do it now? And um, I did. So I just did it. I just, I didn't know what it looked like, what I was going to do. I just thought I'm just going to start and roll with it and see how it organically develops. You know, I had a big book of, you know, ideas and you know a hundred different things the way the business could go and just thought well, that's there as like a little blueprint almost so had you wrote that book or uh, yeah 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 so, so i wrote it well ideas, just ideas and journaling and this stuff is the, like that, yeah, yeah it's like this is the core product and this is the yep. potential and it went into a little bit of obviously the other plans that i had and i introduced other products and other things and really what the whole ethos was about of the business um, but like I say, I had, I had big dreams with it where, you know, I wanted to, it, ideally it was to get it to retreats, to yeah. have own retreats with this. And, but then what happened with that business, it was doing really well and I was doing good and helping lots of people, which is what it was about for me. It wasn't it's interesting. It didn't shift to money anymore. It was more about helping people. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've. Did you have resistance to that change of alignment or? Um. Or was you just? Like, I didn't have resistance. I don't no. think I had resistance in my my um, perception around that. I had, I guess, I struggled with um, not earning as much not as I used to. The you money know. that you was used to earning. Yeah, yeah sure. and it was kind of like, okay, how do I go about that? But you know, being humbled of like, okay, maybe I'll just have to sign for Universal Credit for a few months while the business gets started, and you know, take a loan out, and maybe I might have to, you know pay rent with the loan one month kind of thing 
you know so all these kind of things that you do at the start of a business not start with anything at all um and then it just got to a place where it was doing you know well ticking over well could earn could get by with it not setting the world mm. on fire and buying ferraris not that that's what it was about for me anyway but like you know not earning that kind of money but it was more like okay living humbly you know uh, you know paying my rent and putting food on my table but also at the same time helping lots and lots of people at a time when they they really were needed to help so it was kind of at a time that was perfect for me and also the around the world the, the world around me um you know i remember i still remember to this day i had a couple of people but one in particular i remember i dropped a um a parcel off to someone and um it was this guy's who was it was a client of mine who was buying like you know lots of um you know cmos off me at the time anyway and he's like oh, i really need you to go to like my parents i'll pay for it and can you just drop it off anyway this guy had been bed bound with covid for like two three weeks he said he couldn't move five days after taking it he said he, he felt better than he did before it you know mm. and he then continued to take it and he was in his you know late 60s early 70s kind of thing and a lot of people in the age category felt the same thing you know they're like wow like how much it changes you and i think it was the physical benefits that people were getting from which which motivates me you know it's the same with what i do now yeah i remember you when know? i i oh, because i bought some off you and yeah just you was really you know, you, it wasn't just about selling the product. No. He was really enthusiastic about the benefits of the, of the product. Yeah. And, and and I think, you know, it gives you so many different uh, minerals and stuff like yeah. that, didn't it? It was... Uh, it's, it's the, it, again, it is, it's, a, it's one of the best supplements, if not the best supplement, I'd say, to take daily on the planet. I, I'd still be an advocate for that and say that, you know, it is probably the best thing to have for people every day and that mm. everybody should have it. Um, you know, because, you know, it, like you said, it, it's so packed with minerals and it's 92 of the 102 essential minerals that we need daily to function. And what it has is micronutrients in it. So, you know, they build up over a week or two weeks, a month kind of thing. And then when you're taking it regularly, then your body functions at a, at a level that you've never experienced before, you know, and, you know, you don't get ill, you know, you're, you can go for longer with, you know your mental capacity your physical capacity mm. all sorts you know and it just really does changes your lifestyle you know when we're healthy on the inside we're healthy on the outside you know um yeah and i think that's what i really wanted for people because you know f it also all, all whilst while i was working in the city as well I also had a passion for health and fitness that's really what i kind of was passionate about and a lot of people actually said well, why don't you be a pt why don't you do this why don't you do that and i'm like because it was always been for me, you know, like I'd like to help other people with mm. that. But I didn't want to just be another PT that was a PT, really. And not that there's anything bad against that. It just didn't really excite me. Like I wanted to help people make change. You know, I wanted to see people get well, get better, you know. So I did, you know, dabble in diet coaching and nutrition coaching for people as well, whilst I was doing the, the health supplement business at the same time. Um and in hindsight, I probably should have stuck with that a little bit more. And that might be still something that I go into, but tie into the kind of work that I do now, which I have a little bit. Yeah, um, I think uh, I remember just even without uh, you, you, you done some fire ceremonies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I yeah. came to one or two yeah. of your fire ceremonies on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that was going on at the time as well. You know, like I, 
like I say, I was diving into this spiritual work and this practice that I have now and, you know, helping people through the shamanic healing work mm. as well. And then, and that's what kind of led me to sell my business because kind of like, okay, like this is where I'm really going to help people is, okay, yeah, I can sell people supplements and stuff like that, but really what people need is this work, you know, because um, the level of anxiety and depression and stuff like that in the world at the minute is just rife, you know, it's it's obscene. It's We shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't live like this. We shouldn't be. We have no reason to, you know, and... Um, well, that's a really interesting point. We have no reason to, but we, don't. we, we do, don't we? We People. don't. Yeah, we, we, we do. We and accept it as a, as just part and parcel of life and part and parcel of, you know, certainly high, high pressure jobs or even low pressure jobs. We, we have a, we, yeah. everyone. If you if you're living in that frequency, in that mindset, if you're if you're seeing despair and tragedy in your life everywhere, then no matter what happens in the world around you, you're always going to see that because that's what's going on in here. If you're feeling happy on the inside and you're full of joy and love and magic, you're going to see that everywhere around you. You know, even in the mundane parts of life on days like this where it's a yeah. bit rainy, you know, you'll find the magic and the joy in those moments. Which kind of like, as just as an observation for me, I mean, I look at, you know, I know there's a lot of poverty in places like India mm. and places like that and, and 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 quite often you see these kids, you know, just living on, on rubbish Happy. tips and all of that kind of stuff. But when you really look at them and look at their faces and happy as they're fuck. lit up, yeah, they're, they're they're quite happy, and that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think we 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 have a very arrogant way in this. Not even just this country, kind of the Western world, you know, like the the US, the UK, Canada, and America, of, of thinking that these countries are really poor apart from us when they're not they have so much that we don't have like, well if we if we compare them to yeah. our way of life then for sure there's a lot of poverty I mean yeah. I know there's a lot of poverty here but, but, but I'm, I'm talking like pocket wise yeah, yeah. That we might be a richer country and our average you know like average person is you know wealthier than the average person there but really our connection to nature, to spirit, to ourselves, to each other. The human experience doesn't, it's not all about, yeah, you know. They are way evolved, more evolved than that, you know, I think people. I think that's true. And I think, you know, yeah. that's why I, I, I kind of honed in on that point. Because yeah. it's something that I've noticed, you know, I've noticed in us. And I look at these people and I think, wow, what, they've really got some connection yeah. that we haven't got or... A lot of us haven't got over over on this mm. side of the planet, you know. I think it comes down to a lot of things as well. A lot of what we consume visually as well, mm. you know, for our TV, for our media, particularly, has a lot to answer for. For sure, yeah. And that's probably a whole podcast in itself. So I'll, it is, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. scoot past that. Well, I, I normally kind of wind up touching on this because it, yeah. it's just such a big subject, but isn't it? Does, it does, you know. Yeah. It, it, and you know, and, and also social media as well, because everyone's self-diagnosing themselves with, you know, anxiety, depression, this, that nowadays and it's like i'm not dismissing it that it's an issue like it's it's made up but we have no reason to be and, and the reason i actually said that with the confidence that i did in the way that i did is because recently on i had a retreat um about a month ago um in the uk which was a medicine retreat and lots of healing happened over that weekend but we invited um, myself and my business partner Elizabeth, we invited our friend of ours to come on the last day for the closing ceremony that we do with cacao and fire, and we made a dispatcho offering. And um, the reason we brought her along is because you know her name's, and I'll mention on here because she won't mind, but her name's Stella, and she's been 
battling a, a unique type of cancer for the last couple of years. And she recently got the news that there's no more options left and that she could have between sort of two, three months or two years left. They don't know. So any day really could be a last. And, you know, she, in that couple of weeks that she got told that, you know, she went through a big change, you know, lost her hair and everything, you know. But she has the biggest lust for life you've ever seen, you know, because she was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, wake up every day and moan that this is going to be my last and live in that victim mentality. Yeah. I'm a victim of cancer, so I need to, you know, make everyone else around me upset and despair, you know, and have this story yeah, about it. Absolutely. Which it yeah, absolutely. is is yeah. a story, you know. Um, or I can wake up every day and live it like my last through that joy, through that happiness. Yes, it's sad, you know, but what's the point? She doesn't see the point in wasting time on being sad, you know. And I, and I, I guess there's a fine line between acknowledging your feelings and also, you know, bottling them up. But for Stella's case, she was like literally like, okay, well, you know, I need to just go live every day now. Like well, it, it sounds like, you know, she's got just such a level of acceptance there. Yeah. It, it, you know, the resistance and the struggle has stopped and now mm. she's like, okay, it, I exactly. accept these circumstances and, and you know, I'm, this is my next breath, what yeah. am I going to do with it? How but am I going to enjoy it? What was so beautiful to have her on that retreat and then right at the end where we invited her in on the last day, people on the retreat, I won't go into everyone's personal things, but people were there for like, you know, really heavy, deep reasons, you know, a few people would, you know, be battling with addictions and they were there to kind of help with that few people were battling with you know just wanting to live every day you know and mm. you know there's a lot of different you know people trying to find their purpose to life and happiness and you know whatever but Stella shared this in her share she's like she listened to the share around the group when everyone was kind of on the last day sharing their experience and was like everyone was like Stella turned around and said you know wow you know you guys have all this stuff why like literally just went, why? And not really one person could answer, oh, because, you know, because when you really come down to, okay, why are you feeling depressed? Oh, because of this, because of that. Oh, because, you know, like, you know, I live here or I live there or I've got this job. It's like, okay, we'll change it. If something's making you that upset, your relationship or your job or, you know, whatever your circumstances are, do your best to change that. You know, we are in control so much. I think that's half the issue is us thinking that we're not in control of our own reality you know we have that power and we basically have let things take our power and then that's made us think that oh okay i don't have the ability to do this or the the strength to make that change you know and it just put a beautiful perspective into things where someone has these their whole lives ahead of them you know and they are suffering with you know these problems depression and whatnot and these hanging on these holding on to these things that happened years ago and they're still bringing it into their everyday life and someone like stella was like don't hold on to it anymore you know you you mm. any moment could be your last and it was just a beautiful end to a lovely weekend and a big weekend because like i say that weekend work was you know when people came and they gave up addictions that they have had for 10 years overnight you know, they this found is with the, ayahuasca, is it? It's with the medicine that I work with ayahuasca, yeah. you know, and, you know, people found reasons to live. You know, people were on that retreat that had had a couple of, you know, suicide attempts, you know, in their life. And 
people that were lost in life not finding their purpose and they didn't know what their why they were here and people found that and that wasn't through the medicine well that wasn't because of the medicine it, it it was through that but they found that within themselves the medicine showed them that way so i mean it's really interesting the ayahuasca is interesting i mean i've done a lot of breath work stuff that's really interesting and uh i think what's interesting is that people get possibly just get access to their potential mm -hmm. and i think you know all of that stuff you was talking about all of the people that went on your retreat with with all their issues they're all very relevant to themselves yeah. and it's easy to take the perspective that yeah anything can change but people are so conditioned and, and and certainly you know from trauma i mean that's something that you know people spend their whole lives with yeah. but you know what i hear from from you and, and other people and, and and friends that i've had that have been uh, and taken ayahuasca in different countries and different uh you know with different practitioners that they get a kind of really condensed opportunity mm. to move through a lot of that stuff yeah and which is really exciting i think you know it's uh for me i mean i've never done it but you know i've spoke to you about i'm interested in the process of it and mm. and i've kind of got to a lot of the places that you that i hear about without taking that medicine yeah. just but through a long journey of, of changing yeah. and, and becoming open and surrender and uh, uh, you know a lot of getting rid of a lot of stuff really moving stuff out the way and it sounds like, you know, the ayahuasca gives people the opportunity to move stuff out of the way. Yeah. And then, and, and, the, and the reason that I was really interested in, in what you kind of bring to it as well was the integration afterwards. Because, yeah. you know, I've heard people say that, you know, they've done the ayahuasca and they, well, then they want to go back and do it again and again and again, which is, is kind mm. of like, you know, it's, is that... Is that just because they want to re-experience that or is that because they're not integrating the, the possibilities from that change could, and could, they need to re, kind of revisit that? I don't yeah. know. It could be a bit of both. You know, I think sometimes when people crack open that door, I mean, look, ayahuasca is not fun. <laughs> you know, it, it's beautiful and it's the most... I actually saw a clip the other day on, on, on social media where someone was talking about it and they said, you know, it's the most loving medicine there is and it is. It is the most loving medicine that you'll experience in your lifetime and probably the world has to offer. But love always isn't, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes love is someone saying to you, you've been an arsehole and this is how you've been an arsehole. And they're telling you that because they love you. You know, sometimes yeah. love looks like honesty, you know, to tell a loved one, look, you, you're, being a, you're being a cock here, you know, because you've done X, Y, Z. And that's what the medicine does. And, you know, the medicine will tell you if you've been a victim, even if you're valid, your victim mentality is valid, but it will tell you that you're using it for secondary gain and you'll, it will show you that. And I think that's the beauty of the medicine. It shows people themselves on a deep level that they just, you can't get to, you know, in this, in this world, in this kind of consciousness without, you know, 10 years of therapy or sitting there for like a couple of years yeah. in a Tibetan monastery meditating on a mountaintop. I mean, it can, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not going to get you there in your first first or second experience. I mean, it could do. But, you know, it's it's it gives you access to parts of yourself and an understanding of yourself that you just wouldn't have had before without it. 
because what it does chemically, we talk scientifically for a minute, some other medicines like you know psilocybin, so when people talk about magic mushrooms, they f- um, actually repair neuropathways in your brain that have been damaged. So when you abuse drugs, alcohol, or you've been a victim of trauma, emotional, spiritual, you know, whatever it is, physical, mm. our neuropathways in our brain get damaged from that. And psilocybin repairs that. So that's when they say that, you know, psilocybin is great for, you know, um, depression, anxiety, people with PTSD, it is. Ayahuasca does all that, but what ayahuasca does that no other plant medicine does is actually forms new neuropathways in your brain that weren't there before. So it puts you on a very different way of thinking, being and doing and um, in a very physical way. And you can't hide from that. You know, if there's a part of your life that needs to be changed to, for your own benefit, ayahuasca will show you that. You know, and so it's going to shine a spotlight on the stuff that maybe the last the yeah. gear that you don't want to look at. Exactly, and that's why a lot of people are scared of it. A lot of people are like, oh, no, I'm really scared of it, and it's like, why? And I've come to the conclusion: people are just scared of really that accountability in their life I think yeah I mean I, I think it's it's right people yeah. at a deep level really don't want to take responsibility no. for a lot of stuff and, and or also, accountability as yeah. you say yeah and, and a lot of people you know also aren't ready to surrender on that level you know a lot of people need to be pushed to the edge to be like right I want something to change now you know people need to be you know maybe having health scares if they're you know taking substances that affect their body that much then really okay I'm going to make the change now you know, you're not ready to make the change when you're healthy, taking loads of drugs or drinking loads, you know, like you think, oh, I'm invincible, I'm loving my life kind of thing. Whereas I those health scares yeah. will get you to that point where you're like, okay, now I'm ready to make a change. And if something like ayahuasca is something that calls you, then they'll do it when they're when they're ready, really wanting that change. You know, if you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I know I could get better. You know, I know I don't need to be this depressed or this anxious, but, you know, something like ayahuasca is a bit extreme for that, you know. Yeah, um, but people kind of manage that and, and, and a lot of people manage that with medication, don't they, you know. Which, other things, medication, you know, glass of wine every night yeah, to numb yeah. it, you know, wh- whatever it may be. Or but just consumerism, I think, is the best way that people manage it and that consumerism looks like drugs, alcohol, food, buying stuff yeah you know watching things let's watch more programs and stuff to kind of you know disassociate yeah yeah, disassociate and distract from this reality because i'm not comfortable in it um and i think that's the one thing that the medicine gives people is a new new life new eyes or or at least the opportunity and and i think going back to that uh yeah, because you can't say that you take this and you get a new life. You know, you no. get, you maybe get an opportunity, but I think in in all of that stuff that you spoke about change. I mean, for most people, uh, the catalyst is is normally some sort of crisis. It is, yeah, know, and and otherwise they just manage, and, and we're yeah. kind of just geared up to try and manage, aren't we? Yeah, some rather sort of... than just go like, okay, this isn't working anymore. This yeah. doesn't serve me anymore. Let's change it. I mean, it's a really simple thing to do, but life's conditioning and society's conditioning and expectations and all of that stuff mm. is working against that very natural sort of part of us that would would possibly uh you know just go oh okay this doesn't work i'll try something mm. else but it's having access to that as well access right? accessibility is crucial yeah i was chatting to someone recently who um went to like a retreat that was for mushrooms and stuff like that and they felt like they picked up some sort of energy or whatever 
you know, picked up an entity or whatever. You know, people have this language in this spiritual world, but you know, these things are real. But some people get lost in it. But I think what I, the point I made to her was that you know, like we can clear this through breath work. You can clear this through meditation. You can clear this through, you know, sitting there with a cup of cacao. You know, you can change so much just with intention. Whether that be with a fire. You know, a lot of the, you, you spoke, we'll touch into this, I guess, in a second, but the integration techniques, one of them I teach people is the visualization and the power of water. So either submerging yourself in water, either like cold sea swimming or mm. even just in a bath, but also just in the shower. If you've had a long day or at the start of the day, you're using the water to cleanse your energy and purify yourself and your energy and clear things you may you feel have picked up throughout the day or any feelings or emotion and using that as a visualization practice to clear, you know, that in itself is very powerful, but a lot of people don't do that. Now you do that every day for two weeks, you know, let's say for instance, you're someone that works a normal nine to five and you come home every day and you're feeling stressed. It takes you, you know, a bottle of wine and a few hours to unwind. I guarantee that if someone did that practice for two weeks, they got in a shower and did the visualization practice for two weeks after they got home from work, they won't need a bottle of water, uh, a bottle of water, a bottle of wine, you know, yeah. to decompress. But they've got to have the willingness to do that and to change. Whereas a lot of people don't, because this is what and the accessibility to yeah, to actually. A lot of people don't want to. They say they don't. They want to change, but they don't. They don't want to actually change because you know what? Like people are actually comfortable with anxiety because they don't know who they are without it. You know, and that's scarier for them <laughs> than the anxiety that is itself. A scary question: Who am I? Exactly, right? So it's like it's like having all these sofas in here, right? This sofa represents anxiety, let's say, okay? People want what's on the other side of that. They want that happiness. And they want that content feeling. But you can't fit another sofa in here without the old one going. So you need to get rid of that anxiety and where that came from, that core, where that core feeling came from before you let the happiness and all the joy and magic come mm. in and the contentness. But... Again, people aren't ready to let go of that so far, that feeling, because they don't know who they are without it. And that's one thing I've really learned on this journey and seen is people know, people, everyone knows how to sort their own stuff, which is why I kind of came away from wanting to do the more um, like diet coaching and lifestyle coaching stuff, because, you know, like I say, people have really got to be ready to do that, you know, and make these drastic changes. Whereas something like the medicine and the retreat work that I do, it kind of, if they're there already, they're going to find their own way of doing it. And that's the most important thing. Mm. I think is people find their own way of doing it. I could sit here all day with someone and give them a hundred different ways to help them with something, you know, but really they got to find something that they're going to resonate with and they're going to stick to and, and put in practice, you know, yeah. So kind of circling back to the question of, you know, the integration and people chasing this feeling, I think once you kind of unlock that potential within you, you want more, you know, and you don't get addicts with really with the medicine. You get people that come and are avoiding things, yes, and you notice them, um, but they're still what doing... You, what would you do in that circumstance? Well, they're still doing a level of work. You know, they're still doing a level of work and that's up to them. I've seen people have that and then also change that because they've acknowledged it. You know, it might take them to get to a point of, okay, now I'm, I'm realising I'm using this medicine work as an avoidant. I've seen it, you know, people are like, oh yeah, I'm, I've realised I'm using this as an avoidance for something else kind of thing. Oh, okay, I'm actually going to stop doing this for a while. And that's when that's the changes that 
then happen mm. overnight that wow you, you know it, the ceremony isn't about the ceremony that we did it's the ceremony now is life you know and i always say to people it's not about the ceremony tonight when we're in sitting in ceremony drinking ayahuasca experiencing this profoundness the ceremony is after we finish going back into life and making the changes necessary to improve it you know that's the that's the real work it's and always the work isn't it it is it's, always it's, the work it's the daily work yeah and the I, only kind of way to change is consistently yeah approach that work every day yeah really. you know and so yeah i don't i don't you don't see too many people really chasing anything you know um not in my kind of circles anyway in my community that i've kind of built up it's you know people are really doing the work and um making the changes and i think you know people are just looking for that healing you know people are just giving that opportunity to heal in that environment and whatever it is they're coming with you know i've seen people heal over arthritis in one or two sessions that they've had in their neck for 10 years other people have been emotional trauma that they've carried all their life you know when, when uh, i mean with the emotional trauma i mean i've i've kind of witnessed it a bit in breath work really where people are releasing stuff that mm. Maybe they didn't, it was so deeply buried, they didn't know it was there or they didn't know what it was. I've kind of had a similar experience myself in in, in just needing to, to get to a place where I, I reconnected with a part of myself. But to get to that was a, a whole lifetime's worth of, of lost pain that I never allowed myself to feel. Mm. And when that, that stuff was coming up, I mean, I hadn't had any medicines or anything like that. But I was just experiencing that stuff and, yeah. and it was coming up and it didn't have any labels and it, I didn't know where it was from, but I just kind of knew that I had to feel it. You know, yeah. I knew that that was part of whatever process I was going through yeah. was just to feel that stuff. So I suppose when, when people are, are maybe coming to the medicine and, and they're coming and releasing this stuff, mm. do they need to know what it is or do they not need to know? Do they, they, know. They, they know. They know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they know. Some of them don't. And some people look for me to tell them what they're releasing. And I can help with that, again, but only from my, based on my perspective. If I'm working on someone directly in a healing session or even in a ceremony, I can tell them like what I was guided and what I was doing. But the rest of their journey, that will make sense to them. And more yeah. often than not, and I always say this, if it doesn't make sense, like, you know, the morning after, like after the ceremony has happened, then months down the line it will because it's not always meant for right there, right then. I've had ceremonies, literally. I had it happen quite recently, actually, in the last sort of six months, where there was something that happened in everyday life, and it triggered a memory to a ceremony that I had about four years ago. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, like these little, calling little golden nuggets of wisdom just can mm. drop at any point, you know. And I always say this to people, like, this is where also another layer of the meaning of the ceremony happens when you when you leave the ceremony. Because you can be shopping every day and then something could happen. You'd be like, oh, that's what that meant. And that would change everything for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think we have this need to know everything in society. We always want to know. We always have this need to know. But what we really need to do is learn with, well, learn to live with the not knowing. Yeah, and I think that need to know really comes down to a need to control things, doesn't 100%, it? A hundred, absolutely, hundred percent. You know, we want to control. We want to know what's going on because it's our ego. Our ego mm. needs to know. 
And don't get me wrong, there's points then where, you know, we do need to know what's going on. You know, I needed to know that I was coming over here at a certain time and yeah, you need to know that I was, you know, yeah, things yeah. like that. But when it comes down to the real, like, you know, you, you see the people that need, you know, that trying to control everything in their I life. I was having this argument, well, not an argument, I was having a discussion with my mum last night and, and it was about this, you know, every, every, and I said, I think I, I said, oh, I might be going, I might be going abroad, I might be here for my birthday. And, and she was saying, oh, you know, you need to, you need to, know. we need, need to, to know. know. And I said, well, <laughs> who needs to know? I said, I don't need to know. Yeah. I said, my intention might be that I might come here next week, but who knows what's going to happen? And she went, well, you can, why don't you want to know what's going to happen? And I said, because I'm kind of quite happy seeing what is going to happen without, yeah. you know, having a good picture of it or an expectation of what's going to happen. Isn't it funny though how Being that open to triggers, opportunities, you know. How it triggers other people yeah. that though. It's, I've always found that interesting, like, as well, especially over the last few years, I've observed it a lot more where like my kind of free spiritedness and not, it's not not giving a fuck attitude, but that kind of attitude and, you know, just being in the moment and being in the flow, like really triggers other people, you know, in your life. Yeah. Like, but how can you, you know, how can you live like that? How can you be? And I'm like, well, just trust. You know, and, that, and that's what it comes down to is having that trust that knowing that everything is always going to be all right. You know, like I don't, you know, what I do for a living to earn money is quite tough. You know, it's quite, I don't do it for the money, you know, at all. But it's also not like a constant. It's not like I'm doing a yoga class every week where I'm going to get the same people come and, mm. you know, you know you've got a constant turnover of clients and customers. It's it's literally, I don't know where people are going to come from, how they're going to come to me, if they're going to come to me, but I just have to have that trust that they are. Because if I start operating from an energy where I don't have that trust, I'm coming from a lack mentality and a yeah, lack energy sure. where I'm then trying to just do anything I can to bring people to me. Yeah. And that's not going to be the best energy for them or for me to you, hold a space you get them. people and you attract people because there's all yeah. sorts of proven ways that that happens and yeah I, I see so much of that out there you know people maybe haven't got the capabilities but they've got certain skills or they know what keywords to yeah, use to pull yeah. people in yeah and that kind of stuff so you know i think and, and that's part of i suppose any any industry and, and i'm not saying this is an industry mm. but it's it's where people work and yeah. professionals work in plant medicine and all sorts of other stuff breath work yeah and you've got a lot of other people like who are offering stuff that doesn't seem credible or doesn't yeah. seem achievable in in what they're offering and i think a lot of it is people everyone wants to help everyone right and I don't, I, I really don't believe that there is any bad. That's a really gracious way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think, but like people do that from their own programming and their own kind of views on how people should be helped. You know, I think you always need to help yourself first before you help others. Now, I couldn't do what I do for people if I'm, same Chris seven or eight years ago, couldn't be doing what he's doing now. Even if I had all the knowledge and the skills and the training that, capability could get you to do the job if you put me in the same mental and emotional space that i was eight years ago couldn't be doing that at all i wouldn't be operating from a place of authenticity where i'm trying to help people or anything like that you know and, and even if i was i wouldn't have got to the level of understanding myself and my you know um traumas not as like dramatic as that but you know we have these things in our life these these experiences that that make us view the world for a certain way from our life experiences of course yeah 
But I did a lot of healing and clearing of that up and understanding, okay, yeah, this is where my anger came from. It's from my stepdad or this is where that came from. It's from here. I don't need to react like that. You know, a lot of that is what people need to do. That They need to do that work first sure. before yeah. they start helping others. You know, and I think what and I nothing, see a lot yeah. is yeah. people trying to run before they can walk. You know, you need to learn to walk through these moments first in your life where, okay, you, you understand yourself to a certain level, to a degree, when you have that accountability with yourself and you don't then bring that into a space, you know, because if someone's got this wound, this trauma, they're going to bring that into a healing space and people will see that. Like I've been in, in, in some, in many actually healing spaces where a facilitator is leading the space and you can see that they haven't done the work required, yeah, yeah. but it's okay. Cool. You know, that's fine. But that space would be so much better if they just had that acknowledgement and they didn't bring it into the space. So that's why for me, again, it wasn't really planned. It, this is just kind of how it developed this journey. Like this isn't one, something I even wanted to do three years ago. It's just happened that way. And it's funny because the more I tried to get away from it and the more I didn't want to do it, the more it made me do it, this path in, I think in, in a weird it's way. Stuff like this is just about aligning to a, yeah. a deeper truth, isn't it? It and is. Calling and, uh... and, and I fully know it's my soul's purpose. It's my soul's purpose. It almost feels bigger than a... It's almost like a mission for me. Like, I know that I'm not doing this now to be rich in 60 years or 50 years or 40 years or 30, you know, whatever. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing this because in 60 years time, if I'm still doing this work, the world's going to be a very different place. And that's what fills me up is knowing that the world is going to be on a high level of consciousness and awareness that we can actually all start beginning to heal rather than hurt each other. You know, that for me is the goal, you know, because I do this work for my friends and family that can't because yeah. them seeing me change and then seeing me be different then creates the space for them to do that. They're like, oh, okay, you know, Chris has done this. And, you know, they're not going to maybe go, you know, balls to the wall like I did and completely dive into it. But, you know, the amount of people and friends and family I've had like, oh, okay, I'm in, interested in breath work now. What is, you know, what is that? It's attraction, isn't it? It's, it is. Okay, yeah. like what does cacao do then? You know, and people are opening up to it more, you know. Um, around you that necessarily wouldn't before, you know. I think it's really interesting coming from your your background, and you know, I, I talk to people on this podcast from various different backgrounds, and I think it's interesting that there's there's a lot of people, you know, for want of a better word, kind of waking up, becoming more conscious, you know, yeah. on this planet, and 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 i think you know for for my journey you know i've i've kind of been on that journey and it's it's been quite a long journey you mm. know uh, i kind of come from a place where i was completely unconscious and then i you know changed a, a really destructive lifestyle built a, a, a good lifestyle a nice lifestyle but was still relatively unconscious in mm. doing that uh, and and didn't understand the reasons and then when i got to a place where i really had to take stock and really had to go back and discover what was missing within me mm. you know answering that question who am i that changed the game for me completely and 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 that you know what you spoke about and what you described really going from that place where it was all about you know getting a lot of security getting all nice things you know that that didn't become a priority for me mm. i'd done all of that you know I'd, I'd kind of had all of that but it became about you know what can i give and, and that's mm. what i really like about you really and, and and you know from that first time that I met you really was 
you know, I, I got that kind of feeling from you that, you know, you was authentically yeah. engaged in what you was doing. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't get that from everyone. Yeah. You know? And I know that. And, and, and that example that you gave about people bringing their wounds into a healing space, I've seen, you know, many, many uh, examples of, of that, you know, of, of people that I, I kind of know in different circumstances and, you know, they're in a, a real mess, you know, themselves and then they go and do an acupuncture course for two days and all of a sudden they want to, want to go and start healing everyone, you know yeah. what I mean? I just think, whoa, oh, they want to become a therapist, you know, after a yeah. week. And, and funny enough, I saw, I saw something on social media today. Uh, I was interested in doing, being a, a breath instructor and I was looking at a 500-hour course, which went over a year and that was kind of level one and then, you know, there was another year's training. And I looked at this thing today and it said, you know, become a breath work, a qualified breath work instructor in three days. And I just thought, really? Do you know what it is? We're trying to Amazon Prime everything. <laughs> And I, I, I've used this before. Like we're always trying to Amazon Prime healing, yeah. life, and this is again. It comes down to our society. We, everything's too available, you know. And and there's the good with that, but also the bad comes with that. People don't have patience. Then you know, like I said, this journey's taken me ten years to get to where I am now. Like it's, and again, it's not a journey that even had a destination. It went like, okay, I'm going to be a curandera in you know, 10 years time, this is what I want to be doing. Even, you know, two, three years ago, I didn't know that I wanted to do this. I kind of, it was, there were signs coming up. Yeah, yeah. But again, like I said, the more I didn't want to do it, because I was like, this is too much responsibility. Like, I don't want that, you know, kind of thing. It's a lot of work, like for not enough, you know, return kind of thing. But then the more I shied away from it, the more things were put in my path to really show me, that, okay, this is your path. You know, the more you try and not do it, we're going to put stuff in your way for you to do it. I mean, that's, that's so, you know, when when, when you it's, become kind of, a, when you tune your consciousness in, like, you know, as, yeah. as you did, you know, in that uh, session with that, that uh, therapist or that healer yeah. who was with, you start noticing these things and yeah. it's like hard to ignore them isn't it it's hard to ignore these things coming into your path and you know what was the, what was the biggest lesson for me on my healing journey actually which was the one probably one of the hardest to kind of master i guess is the best word was like stop trying to help people and, and that sounds really silly from what i do but going back to like even when i was working in in finance and i was you know one of the one of the senior guys on the floor, I had a team, like I'm there helping people. Like I actually love doing that. You know, I was actually earning less money because I wasn't earning as big commission and bonuses as I was because I had a team with me that were, I was getting to do that, you know? So I got kicks, not kicks. Well, I guess a kicks. Yeah. I guess out of helping them, you know, earn money, you know, junior guys that are fairly young, earning like lots of money for the first time like i was helping them do that you know going mm. to meet them doing this training them doing this doing that to help them even then i was had the desire to help people and i think in, i've had that with everything i've done you know but then what was the real lesson is stop trying to fix and help people that's the one right that was the biggest lesson for me stop trying to do that okay and then it was like and that sounds silly for what i do now because that's literally the definition of my well, job I think, I, but I, I it's from a different perspective yeah it doesn't sound silly at all because you know that i mean helping people to help themselves is one thing mm. you know that's providing access but when you're trying to fix people 
that's what I was trying to do. That's that's uh, yeah. Then then there's there's an investment of an egoic type yeah. investment in that trying to fix someone that's yeah. giving you something back that whatever it is you know. Uh, but it's not from that intuitive place where you understand that you know maybe you're helping someone to help themselves. Yeah. It was and it was from a point of like I'm I've sure put, loads of people <laughs> will disagree with yeah. me on this, but you know. But I think it was like I was. I was trying to like you said, I think you put it really well. And like, for instance, like my family was a big one for me. Like I've always known, like, you know, like I said, I've always been very knowledgeable around nutrition and health and fitness and things like that, especially when it comes to food and detoxes and cleanses. And I think like getting my family, like, oh, you should be doing this, you know, you should be doing that. And I hate that word should, but you, you, I noticed it with the people that, you know, I'm very close to, like my family, you know, like you want to, you want what's best for them. And that sometimes doesn't come across in the best way, you know, where if that was someone else on the street, I'd be like, oh, have you maybe thought about this? Why don't you look at that up? And you're a bit more like, you you're know. You're less attached. You're less, yeah, exactly. You're less attached and you're also kind of, you know, you plant the seeds better. You know, you know that planting a seed will grow a tree quicker then forcing the seed down someone's throat and saying, grow, you must grow kind of thing. Yeah. That's not going to get it to work, you know? And I, and I learned that lesson a while back and thinking, okay, I need to change this way. And then that became on going deeper into that of like, okay, where is this need come from to fix people? Do I need to fix myself? And then that's, I say, got deeper into that. That was about five, six years ago. And then it just opened up a lot for me and I stopped I wouldn't say caring is the best word, but I stopped, you know, being attached to people, whether they're going to be fixed or not, or healed or not, or better or not, and more accepting them for who they are. But in that same kind of, this is kind of my own stuff, I guess now, I still struggle with seeing people be unwell and be unsick, or be sick, be unhappy, not being able to move in their body and knowing that, okay, this is going to help you. And it's also like, how do I then go about helping people with that yeah i think that comes comes right back bringing bringing that question right back to yourself is what work are you doing yeah. in the present moment yeah and you know in the present moment if you're practicing this stuff i think then we can be unattached mm. we can be conscious and and certainly i'm i'm experiencing life these days you know uh in, in a level of unattachment that I've never experienced before. Mm. And I think it's from the depths that I've kind of found within myself on, mm. on, on a soul journey sort of stuff to know that, you know, as much as I love people, as much as I care people, care for people, uh, everyone's got their own journeys and they're all allowed to be exactly how they yeah. are. And, and certainly, yeah, I, I kind of give people time and give people my energy and give people what I can give them, but yeah. what I can't give them is, you know, my expectation that they're going to change yeah. just because I think, or I know that maybe that would be a good thing for them, you know? So yeah. I think that level of, and I think it's really important if, if you're, I'm not a healer, you know, or I'm not working in any sort of healing capacity other than kind of sharing what I share and, and mm -hmm. giving people what I can give them. But I think it's really important to, to do that work on yourself constantly yeah. and, and to and, and not to get trapped in by the egoic part of it, which yeah. is, you know, I can sort these people out. It's yeah. like you lose something there. and Yeah, you do. And I think, like you say, it's, it's where it comes from, right? It's like whether it comes from a place of authenticity or not, or like from ego, you know, like 
you know, I've had friends that I'm like, this could really help you, this practice, this supplement, this whatever it is, you know, but if that came up now, I'll just maybe suggest it. You know, people say the same to me, like, oh, you know, and I'm, but the thing is, I'm open to it. Like someone said to me recently, oh, have you ever looked into this? I'm like, no, like, oh, have a look into that. And it'll either resonate or it won't. And that's the thing, you know, like me planting a seed for someone else. Like, you know, I'm going to use my mum as an example because um, she's someone that <laughs> has, has um, we've had this kind of relationship for a very, very long time, you know, like, and she'll even joke about it now. Like I was, harping on it for like for years to just take cbd please take cbd it'll really help you out no literally for two three years she resisted it one day she took it and it she never looked back and now she's recommending other people to take it you know but it's about how we drop those little seeds you know and how we just point people in the right direction and it's different with family because like you say you're really attached emotionally and energetically because mm. it's family um and again, it just comes down for people to be willing to change. Half the people just like to complain, especially in the UK. We love the moan in the UK. You know, we love to be able to, oh, yeah, my back. My, my we love moaning. to moan and we love to queue up as well. We love, to, we love to queue. And we love to moan about queuing up. We, well. Yeah, but we are, I must admit, traveling around, I, I do must, you can spot the British people abroad because they're the ones queuing politely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we do, we do love a moan in this country. And I think that's, that's another again that's just part of our programming not mm. even family it's just ancestrally in this country we love to moan and it's acceptable to moan because what happens when you moan that gives the person that you're moaning to permission to moan about what they want to moan about and then before you know it and i see this a lot people then just start having a moan off you know they're moaning about their back they're moaning about the cost of living they're moaning about the weather they're moaning about this you know all these little stories and narratives that we like to moan about but if you say to them okay well, if you go see this chiropractor, that might help, or this might help, or Nike punch them like this, you know, whatever. They almost resist that because they don't want it. They don't want it to help because who are they? Again, it comes back to like, who are they without that back pain? What have what, they got to moan about? I've, the, the podcast that's going out next week, I mean, by the time this goes out, that would be out. But uh, I've, it's a really interesting woman who, who lost her son. And, mm. you know, the part of the conversation, which is really poignant and really enlightening for me was that you know she she wasn't going to be defined by the fact that she'd lost her son yeah. by that bereavement and and it was kind of like you know i won't go into it now but a really really natural natural sort of process of processing this stuff and, and realizing that you know she needed to take accountability for yeah. her life and her life moving forward and where a lot of people wouldn't do that and get trapped no. in that in that kind of place where people don't know how to do they yeah exactly yeah but it's really yeah it's the same sort of thing but on, yeah. on, a, on a kind of uh, a much more a different level different yeah. level yeah 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 it's really but yeah people don't know people how to. taking accountability is, is so freeing you and know people, it's so freeing. people don't know they need to take accountability as well that's the, that's the issue i think as well people don't know these things we don't know that you know i've experienced grief in my life in a really big way in our family and just kind of relating to that point you just made, like, you know, grief isn't easy to move through. You never get over it. You just learn to live with it. But, you know, like there's other members of my family that still can't talk about scenario, certain scenarios that happen around that grief because they they don't know how to deal with it. Mm. You know, they don't know how to deal with it. I can talk about pretty much anything with that grief. Yeah, I might get upset, but I'm not scared to because... I've, I've I've allowed myself to feel all of that grief 
and to, to learn to then live with it and move on directly as I'm sure this woman did you know she's not avoiding anything here because otherwise she wouldn't be able to talk about it the reason that she hasn't let herself be defined by this is because she's gone to the darkest depths of that and come out the other side you know that's what I mean when people get taken to the brink to the edge where there's that tipping point where it's like right I'm going to fight now rather than run you know, and I'm going to fight to feel good rather than run because I keep feeling bad, mm. you know, and that's very present in in a, in a, in something like grief where people do one or two things, they get better and they learn to live with it or they run away from it, you know, um, and it, it's just always going to then, that, there's that, I mean, we won't go into the, the problems of that, but that then just bleeds out into other areas of your life, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. when you're holding on to the energy that you haven't allowed yourself to fully resist. Uh, to, to fully release, sorry, which and things like breath work do. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about moving through stuff, isn't it? it Experience is. it, move through it, you mm -hmm. know, get support, whether it's with, you know, what you're doing with the medicine or, mm -hmm. you know, with therapy, whatever access that people go down, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's all about moving through stuff yeah. and experiencing it and, and, and then kind of letting go of it yeah. and, 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 you know, finding something that, Something fresh that works, yeah. Chris. We we I know you got a you got a guitar lesson. I have, think. yeah. <laughs> but it's been really fantastic talking to you. And yeah, uh, you too. You know, it's been a really interesting conversation. Yeah, it and, has. and it's great to, you know, to see where you've come from in yeah. your life and, and and how you started out as a young man, your expectations and and you know what you wanted, mm. and and to how you've just like you know, attuned to really what cause you in life and, yeah. and that's you know helping other people but doing it in a, a very authentic way mm -hmm. where you you know as we just said we, we're not trying to fix people we're just mm -hmm. bringing people to the table and this is what showing them the door you know I this is yeah i mean I take think people to the door they got to walk through it though you know everything that i'm that i'm kind of doing and and, and the people that i see is it's all about you know it's accessibility and quite yeah. often it's in small it's in small increments or small groups that this yeah. stuff takes hold. And then, as you say, from your example of life, your family are, are being attracted to the changes in you. And uh, I think, you know, I think that's that's the way forward. So yeah. to change our outlook on on, on, on life is, is we have to look at our life to change our outlook on life. We do. Rather than looking at everything outside and thinking, I need to change all that. You know? It all starts here, you know, and that was... Yeah perfectly put and I think you know for me that was five six years ago the big biggest lesson for me was okay I want to change the world it starts inside it starts you with me start with you. and if I want to make these big changes in the world and see these big changes because we need to you know we really need to collectively raise our consciousness and awareness to things in the world because that's the problem with everything is our awareness um, we are the problem we are the problem yeah, you know we're sure. you know we could just apply that to anything that's going on in the world at the moment. We are the problem, you know, but we're the problem where, you know, we don't know that we also are as well at the same time. We're like, we don't know that we're the problem, but it's not like, you know, we're not as destructive as, as, as it kind of, that comment seems, I guess, but it's easily fixable. And it is. And I believe in the next few generations, we will start seeing signs of that, you know, I really believe that we will start seeing signs of that kind of come into play where we'll see a bit of a healing generation and, and culture come in now where the conversations like this are more normal, you know, more accepted. 
people understand that they can release emotions and traumas and stuff through different modalities and practices and that's okay because you know what i think what i see more often than not is people that don't feel like they can be vulnerable you know because they've grown up in a world an environment where they're taught that that's not okay yeah i mean i think it's coming on my own journey in life and, and doing the work that i've done you know just just through my own personal growth to to know that you know people can access this in in such a short space of time mm. is incredible yeah yeah it's incredible and it's not like my way was the only way my way was my way but yeah you know it's it's great that i see all these other opportunities opening up for people and yeah you know and, and authentic people like yourself facilitating these things is really important mm. chris we i mean on that note yeah. How can people kind of contact you or get in touch with you? You've got a website, um, social I media. I think the best, is, the best way is social media yeah. um, to contact me on my social media. Um, yeah, that's the best way. And we can work, if people have called to work with me to, to what, learn What is more. your social media, Chris? <laughs> it's, it's CJ underscore Anderson 33. I'll double check that, but I'm, that is okay. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it will come up as Medicine Man. And like I say, I work with various different plant medicines but it's more all through kind of shamanic and like healing work so we do there's a lot of different things that i can do with people yeah and it's it's not know. all all kind of you know no. heavy medicine stuff, no it's it? not I mean, you know fire ceremonies with you yeah with, with no medicine involved at all yeah exactly just kind of releasing uh yeah just just ceremonies i suppose yeah. you know which I think it's, it's like the, the fire ceremony i've done recently there was i think we've got quite a good turnout of lots of people I haven't met before like it was 27 people we all came we all sang around the fire people released what they wanted to but then what was healing was the community you community know that was that was that was, was about it was knowing that, that, was that other people that was in my brain yeah, as you was talking about that, is yeah. other people were are here are on the same page as me you know like oh, okay you know you might there's some people that turned up on their own you know which i really honor but those people come and they're like oh okay i'm not the only one that likes this kind For of sure, yeah. stuff, you know, I guess is what people think. And I'm not the only one that likes breath work or yoga or interested in shamanism or plant medicine and things like that, you know. And, and they're just normal people living normal lives, exactly. doing normal jobs. Accountants going yeah, to work nine to five or whatever, yeah. you know, and but they're looking for something that they can't get in their usual circles, you looking know. Looking outside the parameters of what they're being yeah. sold as a successful way to live. Exactly. You, you, you can't, very well put, you know, they can't yeah. get that going to the pub after work on a on a friday night you know um they can't get that so this is why these communities and circles that i do are like really important for that you know and like i say do do lots of other things um even just this monday just gone i had a, a healing client where we did a um like a soul retrieval healing and again very different no medicine involved but huge change and huge shifts in this person already you know and i've, I've done a uh a meditation, a guided meditation on soul retrieval. Yeah. I'd never done anything like that. I had a really good experience. Yeah. I'm not, really, I'm not going to talk Go about it now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, just there's so many, so many uh, different accesses to I, stuff, which is incredible. This, this so much. Like I say, this, this, this client in particular had a, a actual purge. Yeah. You know, just through the, the energy healing, you know, actual physical purge. 
you know, and that's how powerful it can be. People think it's all woo-woo and all crystals and that until they're brought to their knees. And exactly, that's a, yeah, yeah. It's a quote that I saw recently which, recently, which I really like, is like, it's all woo-woo until you're brought to your knees. And it is, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, you think it's, you know, all hippies dancing around a fire and that, but when you're there crying and releasing trauma and you feel, you know, like a completely new and totally different person, that's when it's, you know, that's very real. I think that that is such a, a poignant place to leave it. That yeah. You know, and, and the reason that I wrote my book was because I lived most of my life without really knowing who I was and my yeah. true potential. And I think sometimes, you know, if you get an opportunity to have a different look at yourself and find something that, you know, you, you wasn't aware of or you hadn't tapped into, mm. it's incredible. It changes, you know, yeah. the experience of of this journey on this on this planet that we're having it, it, it really really, really does it really does yeah. Chris I think we're cool. going to have to leave it there mate but it's thank been you. fantastic thank you so you. much for having me it's been a pleasure I've really enjoyed it yeah my first one was a bit like <laughs> what do we talk about but it was quite easy that's alright yeah, yeah I mean, we probably haven't got long enough <laughs> yeah I mean it's uh, yeah I'm just aware that you, you've got stuff yeah, to do yeah, yeah. It's been great chatting with you. And, Thank you. you know, hopefully we'll have another chat. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, it's maybe, been brilliant maybe, to be on. You know, Thank I'm, you for I'm having me. wind up in Peru or something. And, uh, we'll we'll have, have one over there. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. That'll be great. <laughs> Chris, lovely, mate. Cool, lovely. Take care. You Cheers, too. Mate. Thank you for listening to the Copy Guide to Enlightenment with me, Stephen Rosen. Thanks for your time. And please don't forget to share this episode with friends. Uh, press the follow button. And you can connect with me at Copy Profit on social media. It's been great to have your company. Take care and I look forward to you joining us for the next enlightening conversation. Cheers.